so dating, marriage, relationships. Uh, yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Bruno. Uh, he's the IT guy. I'm whatever. I, there's different ways to say that using logic. I use the Excel logic. It's like the two carrot symbols together. Um, whatever. Uh, it's a logical series. This is great. Don't worry. We're not going to get too logical. <laughs> not going to get that, that in depth at least. But anyway, um, so welcome to the well. Uh, thanks for coming out tonight. I'm glad that you're here. And uh, yeah, it's relationship logic. Kind of a series, two minute, just a two-part, two-week deal. Um, but it's that time of year, right? It's February. And love it or hate it, Valentine's Day is coming up. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a little bit. We didn't do a dating series last year, so we figured we should do that. Um, dating, marriage, relationships, whatever. So uh, anyway, so thanks for coming out tonight. Um, and hopefully, hopefully this series will be beneficial to you. Uh, the last time that we did a dating series, a relationship series or whatever, I wasn't married, but when the series started, and I was married whenever it finished. So... Now, that, that series was like four weeks. This is only two, so I don't know if you can get it accomplished uh, that quick this time around. Um, you know, if, if you're not halfway there already, you're behind. Um, anyway, all right, all right, sorry. Uh, it's going to be a fun night. <laughs> um, so anyway, so tonight's message. So the title is, is Dating Is Not Marriage. It's just a, a logical way to say that, right? Um, and so you, you know what that means. That's good. It's not just super pumped dating equals ma- ma- marriage. That's not, that's kind of the opposite of what we're trying to say. Um, so anyway, we're going to take a logical approach tonight, uh, but it's not going to be as complicated as the title seems. It's going to be pretty simple. Um, so uh, as a theme verse, I want to look at the, the first relationship and we'll branch out of that. It's Genesis 2.24. It says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And so, of course, we see the first human relationship there and, and certainly the first marriage as well. Um, but but we're going we're gonna to talk about dating tonight and focus on that, uh, not necessarily marriage. Um, but we are going to deploy this logic tonight that uh, dating isn't marriage. And dating is not marriage. They're different. You're welcome. Um, so there's our deep logic right there. Uh, but simple as it is, it, it is significant and critical to understand that, um, especially if we want to please God in our dating relationships. So uh, let me pray, and then we'll dive in uh, to these notes. Heavenly Father, uh, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. Um, thank you so much for loving us uh, and, and sending your son to die for us, uh, that we can have a relationship with you. And truly, that, that is the ultimate relationship, the most important one in our lives. And uh, we're so grateful for that uh, and that you loved us that much to do that. And, and man, certainly you didn't just die, but uh, you rose again victorious three days later. Um, and, and we're so grateful for that. And it's because of that um, that we can know you, that we can have joy and victory in our lives, um, and uh, that, that we get to be with you uh, for eternity. Um, so thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you would just be our teacher tonight um, as we seek to... Uh, take a biblical view um, of dating, and just pray that you're glorified uh, through all that we say and do uh, tonight and the rest of this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. All right, so relationships. Um, Of course, we should seek to please God in every area of our lives, right? Um, So you should please God when you're single. You should please God when you're engaged, uh, when you're married. No matter the season of life that you're in, uh, it, it should be a goal to please the Lord. 
Um, and so that's the goal of this little two-week series. Um, so of course, we need to make sure that we have the right perspective on dating then. So you need to apply the right dating logic to your life, which we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and so this is true whether you currently are dating somebody or if you want to date somebody in the future. Uh, you know, either way, uh, you know, depending on your application, apply the right logic now or learn it now so that you can apply it when the time comes, right? So that's, so we're going to dive right into our first point, um, and it's going to be the most general point. Uh, we'll get more specific in the next few points, but the first point is to regard dating biblically, as we want to, we want to attempt to to frame this in a in a biblical way and to regard dating biblically. So we're going to start here, and so of course uh, we want to make sure that we have a biblical view of dating. I mean, how else are you going to be able to do it correctly now or in the future if it's not biblically, right? Even even if you never date anyone and you never get married, um, you know you're going to be around people that that do right. And as long as you're a part of a church, you're going to be around other Christians that are going through these things in these relationships. Um, and so if you ever want to be able to edify other, other brothers and sisters uh, in the Lord, uh, certainly dating is going to be a relevant topic. And so, man, even if this never applies to you personally, it's gonna, it does because it's, we're talking about life um, and, and life as, as we live it today. And so um, hopefully, I think mostly, most of the time people are interested in this sort of thing. So hopefully you'll find it um, interesting and applicable uh, to your life tonight. But, you know, even if you're already married, same thing, same idea. Uh, you're around people that, that aren't. <laughs> and so you're, you're trying to help them with that. So we want to do that biblically, right? Um, so I want to show you what God says about dating in the Bible. So if you've got your Bible, you can put it down. Okay, we did it. <laughs> that's what God says about dating in the Bible. Okay, all right, that's funny, but it's kind of true. Uh, so I guess are we up a creek without a paddle then? I don't think so, or else we probably wouldn't be we'd talking about it tonight, would we? Um, all right, so in this book, in the Bible, we've got God's mind, right? So even though dating may not specifically be addressed, we can still navigate those waters with biblical principles. We've actually kind of already begun to do that a little bit uh, with this verse, the first verse that we read in Genesis 2.24. Again, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they, they too, there's two of them, right, shall be one flesh. So check that out. First of all, that's marriage. We get it, right? But, but do you see some of this logic here? Let's, let's take a logical approach to it. Notice that according to God, in marriage, two become one right? So let me help you out again with this logic. Dating is not marriage. So actually, we can learn a few things about how God doesn't view dating based on the statements that he makes about marriage. So from Genesis 2.24, in dating, two do not become one, because that only happens in marriage. At least that's God's design. So we're not exactly going to study marriage tonight, but we are going to allow what God says about marriage to direct us towards his thoughts about dating. So we're not going to go read every passage about marriage, about marriage um, but allow me to summarize them into a simple, direct concept for you. And I should have put this on your sheet. I didn't, um, but this is the concept. In God's eyes, you're single until you're married. So let me say that again. God views you as single until you're married. So, 
hopefully I don't make you angry right now. Uh, I haven't been married that long. It wasn't that long ago that I was dating, so uh, don't, don't be too mad here. But, uh, but here goes. Everybody here that has a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you're single. So that means that the relationship you have with your boyfriend or girlfriend has to operate within the boundaries of single town, not marriageville. Okay? Does that make sense? Um, I get it. From a practical and a cultural standpoint, people don't say they're single when they're in a dating relationship. But be weary of that because you've got to keep this in your head. Until you get married, you're single in God's eyes. Even if you're engaged to be married, you're still not yet married. So although there is a deeper commitment that we can recognize, you are single until you get married. So the rules and shall I say the freedoms of marriage don't apply until you actually get married. God has rules and freedoms within the relational category of single, and he has rules and freedoms within the relational category of married. And that's kind of it. There's, the two don't overlap a lot. So God has two relational categories, single, married, single town, marriageville. So already, th- this, this already helps us understand dating and put it in the right place, at the right location, single town. But I get it. How do, you, how do you get to Marriedville if you're in Singletown? It's pretty simple, actually. You ask somebody to marry you. They agree. You meet together at a specific time at a specific day. You exchange vows before the Lord, uh, and you get married. It's called a wedding. Uh, and it's, yeah, that's, we're being logical tonight. But all right, all right, I get it. How do you get to that point? All right, well, that's called dating. Um, and... That's, that's where you're figuring out if you, if you want to marry the person uh, that you're friends with, you, that you're dating, right? Um, there you go. And so dating is a cultural thing, and it describes how we go about figuring out whom we want to marry. And so that's a good thing to note. Dating is a cultural practice, not God's design. That's on your sheet. So now with that said, what is God's design? Well, just like dating, I, I don't think God explicitly says However, I mean, you could probably make an argument for arranged marriages, um, maybe more that than anything else, but not, not in like a dictator type of sense, but uh, maybe a suggested options type of sense. I mean, the first marriage in the Bible was pretty arranged. I guess if you ask me, it's not like there were any other choices. Uh, the Lord sort of gave Adam one choice. It was Eve. Um, but okay, we're not getting into that. Um, doesn't matter. Here's the point. The point is it's cultural, which it doesn't necessarily mean it's right or it's wrong. It just means it's not explicitly God's design. So I, I think that's worth noting. So you should navigate it with, with caution. Again, cultural things, they can be right or they can be wrong. We don't get our morals from culture, right? We get them from the Lord. So you navigate the waters of culture just like you do anything else in life. You apply the Bible and you don't sin. But since it's cultural... People have done it differently in different times and locations all throughout history. In Bible times, and still, even in some cultures today, marriages are they're more family-designated than certainly what we, what we know here. Um, so there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to, to what the specifics of dating should look like other than applying biblical principles and not sinning, right? People do it differently. So there's no standard way you have to date, again, aside from sin. And aside from that, you have liberty when it comes to dating. I've heard 
and you probably all have heard plenty of stories about people's lives and, and dating and relationships over the years. Some people have done some pretty wild things. Um, how about this? This is fun. Have any of you talked to your grandparents about dating? Anybody? A few? Yeah, okay, this is cool. All right, a few of you. Um, yeah, and maybe, you know, you go for Thanksgiving, you go to grandparents' house, say this is my boyfriend, my girlfriend, whatever, and they're like, oh, you, are you going steady? And you're like, smile and wave. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what, what are you talking about, Grandma? Um, okay. Well, again, it's a cultural thing, so terminology has changed throughout the years, but kind of so has practice. And at least from, from my conversations with my grandparents and my understanding of, of how they dated, uh, it was pretty different. And I think it's also worth noting, most of us would agree that our culture has just gone downhill uh, and just continues to go downhill. So the way that my grandparents used to date actually seems less confusing, it's a little wiser, and just generally better than, than the way dating is today. So, okay, they, so they call it going steady. What in the world does that mean? Uh, so my understanding of what they say that means is it's, that's what we equate to dating. I have a boyfriend, I have a girlfriend, they say that's going steady. But whenever you tell them that you're dating, what, what that used to mean is, hey, tonight I'm going out on a date with Sally, uh, next Friday I'm going on a date with Sue, and you know I got plans with whoever, Christy, this day, and whatever. it's like, you're, you're literally, you, there are ladies, and you make a plan, you set a date, and you meet there. It's called a date. Like you just do things together. Like it's a date. It's not that, that if you're dating, that means you're doing that with people. And it's this, it's, it's a wide spectrum. It's a wide variety. I'm not, I'm not talking about being a player. I'm talking about like there's, there's a dude and a girl and they're friends and they, meet, they set up something. And they meet, I mean, just like you hang out with, with the same sex. And so you, that's dating or what it used to be. And then, so you get to meet a ton of people. Uh, you, and it's very non-committal. Uh, there's no reason to get into any sin because it's like, well, I'm meeting such and such some other day and nobody's mad about it and it's fine. Um, and then, you know, you, you learn different personalities and you start to get to know like, oh, like I fit well with this kind of personality. I don't fit well with this kind of personality. And then eventually you decide you're going to only date one of those people and now you're going steady with that person, if that makes sense. Uh, it doesn't really seem to work that way today. Today it's... I mean, back then, it was something you did. Today, it's like something you are. It's like, I, I'm, this is my status. It, it's just, it's a different way to go about it. But, um, okay, I'm not, I'm, all right, I'm done ranting about that. But anyway, uh, it's a cultural thing. And back then, it, it just seems like it'd, it'd make a lot more sense to, to figure out people that you get along with way better than, than people that you don't. Um, and, and so that's something else to note about dating, and this is on your sheet too, is that dating is a route, not a destination. Singletown and Marriedville are the two possible locations, and dating is the road we use to get from A to B. And that's significant, because if you view dating as a destination to occupy, for whatever reason, it's more fun or, or whatever, but if, if it's a destination to you, uh, then you need to check your logic. Although dating may be fun, it's not a wise place to reside longer than necessary. Making dating a destination not only defeats its purpose, but it's what the world does. It's an attempt to create a middle location between Singletown and Marriedville, 
Uh, and, and there you get to make up your own rules. It's like the Wild West. I don't know about you, but I would that thou art single or that thou art married, but not that thou art lukewarm, if you get what I'm saying. Revelation 3, 15 to 16. Okay, now, <laughs> I don't say that as if dating is a sin or it's automatically sinful, okay? But viewing it as a destination typically leads to sin. Either you're idolizing the relationship or making provision for your flesh. So it's wise to, rem- to remember that it's not a destination, but a route to get to know if that person fits as a potential spouse. So just like any specific route in our lives of, of going where we think God wants us to go, we can simply apply biblical principles along the way to make sure we're going to get to the right place. So apply God's word to your life to make sure your dating practices are pleasing to God. That's basically what we're going to do the rest of the night. So let, let's start with this. Uh, you know that you are who you hang out with, right? Your friendships and your community have incredible influence in who you are and in your spiritual walk. Uh, check out what Paul tells the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6.14. He says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? So, there's a biblical principle. So do you think you should choose to date someone that's not a Christian? Absolutely not. First off, do you really think that one of the closest friendships you have in your life, do you think that's not going to have influence over you? Second, here's some relationship logic for you. You marry whom you date. Dating is a route to marriage. So if you date someone that's not a Christian, you're in route to marry someone that's not a Christian. So missionary dating is not regarding biblically, dating biblically. And so why, why would you want to do that anyway? Maybe you're taking chances you shouldn't take because you're afraid of being alone. Again, you need to regard dating biblically. You need to trust the Lord and find your contentment in him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay, now, so I'll admit uh, that I struggled with the fear of being alone in my life. So I get it. It's, it's real. Uh, I didn't get married till I was 30, so I, I had plenty of time to dwell on that. But you've got to trust the Lord in this aspect of your life as much as in all the other aspects of your life. Now let, me, let me rephrase that. You have to surrender this aspect of your life as much as any other aspect of your life. And, and so here's another important principle. No matter your relationship status, your contentment must be in the Lord. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. If you date because you're afraid of being alone, then you won't regard dating biblically. Dating will become an idol in your life, even if, even if you're not in a relationship. Like, you don't have to be rich to be greedy. R- rich people are greedy too, right? Uh, I, I've spent a lot of time not in a relationship, and yet I still idolize relationships. So, so you can idolize being in a relationship even if you're not in one. And if you are then that fear will cause you to make it a destination that it shouldn't be. Especially if you know you're not ready to get married or even if you know you shouldn't marry the person that you're dating. So here's how it generally played out in my life. When I wasn't in a relationship, I was fearful. And when I was in one, 
I was either content or too fearful to break up. So I found my identity in dating. My contentment was based on my relationship status. I, I coveted a girlfriend. Again, whether I had one or not. This, this, there was a problem in my dating logic. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't covet anything. For Colossians 3, 5, the end of that, it says covetousness, covetousness, which is idolatry, right? And God had to deal with this in my life before I could truly have the right perspective on dating, or even, or even in marriage for that matter. And so the, the next few verses I put on your sheet, they, they were critical in my life to the Lord, uh, for the Lord using this uh, to, deal, to deal with me in, in my life. First um, Corinthians seven twenty seven says, "Art thou lo- bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. For those that aren't married but want to be dating or not, what are you seeking in life? Is finding a spouse what you're seeking on a day to day basis? Do you walk in the doors of this building seeking to find someone to be in a relationship with? Does the chance of meeting someone new keep you coming back every week?" Or do you walk through those doors seeking to pursue the Lord? We know what the answer should be, but is that what the answer is for you? Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, If ye then be risen in Christ, there's that word, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And if you're like me, at times you found yourself wrestling with the Lord, saying, Lord, how will I ever find a spouse if I never look for one, if I never seek one, right? And, and I would pray this to the Lord. After all, Proverbs 18.22 says, Lord, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Lord, how am I going to find one if I'm not supposed to seek one? Well, just because you're not seeking a spouse doesn't mean God won't help you see one when the time is right. Not seeking a spouse means it's not your goal to find one. Seek the Lord and trust him to bless you with that good thing in his timing. Lamentations 3.25 says the Lord is good. There's good again. Good to the, unto them that wait for him. To the soul that seeketh him. So again, it ultimately comes down to trusting the Lord and surrendering your fears to him. To allow yourself to have this right perspective on dating and in, rela- and in, in relationships. And, and you know, and I'm not making any promises Maybe you don't get a husband or wife in this life. All right, I am going to make a promise. Uh, But I promise that if you seek God in this life now anyway, that the Lord will be good unto them that wait for, for him, even if it means waiting this whole life. Man, he will be good to you in the next life. So we need to, we need to get that down, and we need to regard dating biblically. And, and the primary principle, the title, dating isn't marriage, so really, the, the next couple points we're going to dive into are, are just more specific applications sort of of, of this same thing. Um, but we need to apply the right dating logic, so let's check them out. So the, fir- the next point is that we need to remain too emotionally. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, from Genesis 2.24, two became one, right? But it says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. So notice that in marriage, you leave your parents and that family structure, and you cleave to your spouse. To cleave, uh, it it definitely contains a physical implication, but it also includes an emotional implication as well. And that emotional implication is what we're going to focus on in in this point. We'll save the physical for next. 
but everything that isn't physical, we're, we're putting in this category, it, it just calling it emotional. Um, so when you get married, you become one with that person. In even an emotional, uh, a psychological, uh, a um, not societal, a social sense. So who you are, even your identity, it's, it's different. You're now a husband after you get married, or you're now a wife after you get married. And there are very specific roles that husbands and wives play and that, that come with that. So your minds now operate united together, your partners. So if we apply the right dating logic to this understanding of marriage, that means that uh, when you're dating, you're not one emotionally. Your identity doesn't change. At least it, it shouldn't if you're applying the right logic. You need to maintain emotional, psychological, and social boundaries in your dating relationship because you're not married. You must remain two separate people emotionally. You like each other, you may even love each other, but you can't allow yourself to cleave to each other just yet. And, but I, I get it. Socially speaking, at least culturally speaking, wh- when you're dating, you have a special emotional connection that's unique within your relationship, right? Obviously, you don't have that same connection with any of your other friends. And socially, people consider, consider you as a couple, as together. In a lot of ways, you kind of function socially like you're married. You come and you go to social gatherings together. Uh, people address you together. They think of you as together. Typically, typically, not always, typically you're not viewed as available to the single and ready to mingle people if you're already in a relationship. Again, people have done some wild things. So socially, what is and what isn't acceptable, even in Christian culture, the lines get blurred in dating and marriage, certainly in an emotional uh, understanding, in a non-physical sense. Consider this. Hear me out. Generally speaking, men struggle more with the physical side of relationship. Women struggle more with the emotional side. Not that both don't struggle with both, but typically men struggle more with the physical, women more with the emotional. All right, so consider this. In, even in the context of, of church, uh, forget about the world. The context, and within church context right now, how, how far is too far physically? Where's that line? In a lot of ways, it's very clear. We'll talk about that in the next point. But considering the realm of physical intimacy from zero to finish line, you know, where's that line? Okay, it's pretty close to zero. But now consider the emotional spectrum. On an emotional scale, how far is too far emotionally? You know, from zero to finish line, where's, where is that at? It, it seems like even in a church context, it's way farther down towards the finish line than we'd put it physically, right? And the emotional spectrum would be way farther down the line. And, and we'd, we'd say that's okay, but we wouldn't say that's okay physically. I think it's kind of a double standard. I think that the, perhaps the world system has crept into our minds more than we realize. And this is super dangerous because cleaving to your boyfriend or your girlfriend emotionally can lead to cleaving physically. So you got to be super careful, especially considering emotional boundaries may not be as tangible as physical ones are. So how do you view your boyfriend or your girlfriend, even, or your fiancé for that matter? Do you take ownership of him or her in your mind? Dudes, if you're not married, she is not yours. And ladies, if you're not married, you are not his. Until God entrusts you to each other in marriage, you can't take any emotional possession of each other. 
You're single until you're married. So you have to remain two emotionally until then. I understand that your boyfriend or your girlfriend is your boyfriend, your girlfriend, right? Okay, I get it. it, it you know, they're not dating anybody else, so they're yours. Yeah, okay, sure. But you have to maintain emotional boundaries and frame it right in your mind. That, the person you're dating is God's. You are God's. Uh, and look, it's not like there's no emotions involved. Uh, yeah, computer programmers, engineers, right. Well, relationships, <laughs> there's emotions involved, so I get it. And, and this is, it's a friendship, your boyfriend, girlfriend, right? But why do we take it so much farther than that? Uh, you just have to keep your emotions and your perspectives in balance. You've got to maintain the right dating logic. So back to the logic. Ephesians 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So these are the rules, the, ro- the rules and the roles that we see men and women playing in marriage. And yeah, it's good to note the right roles in marriage because you should be a good spouse someday as much as you want to have a good spouse someday. Absolutely. And dating is a part of our process of fearing, figuring some of that out. But you can't take it too far. Knowing that dating is a route, you should be looking for the right signs in the person that, that you uh, are with and the person that you're dating. You want to make sure you're going the right direction. That's wise. So you should notice the signs but you can't mandate the signs. You, can, you can't require your boyfriend or your girlfriend to operate like your husband or wife because you're not married. Dating isn't marriage, so don't take it too far. 1 Peter 3.1 says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. So, dudes, your girlfriend is not your wife, so she's under no biblical uh, obligation to have to submit to you or be in subjection to you somehow. Uh, in Titus in Titus chapter 2, Paul's, he's writing to, to women and says that they need to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, notice, obedient to their own husbands. Well, look, husbands, these, these roles apply in marriage, and dating is not marriage. You're two before the Lord. So there, this is, you, there's no, like, obedience. Submit to me, woman. There's no, like, I mean, you shouldn't even have that perspective in marriage, but Look, ladies, yeah, you, you should be looking for someone that will lovingly lead you and someone that you can follow, certainly. But for your boyfriend to require this of you before you get married is a sign that something's off. Those roles don't apply yet. You're still too emotionally, psychologically, and socially. So when it comes to biblical roles in marriage, focus on being the right person that will make a biblical spouse someday. And prayerfully seek and trust God to lead you to the right candidate and away from the wrong ones. And that's just the thing. As much as you're not one with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you need to be one with the Lord. You'll only be as good a spouse as you are a Christian, so you certainly only be as good a boyfriend or girlfriend as you are a Christian. So you need to apply the right dating logic. In marriage, your spouse becomes part of your biblical responsibility and ministry, but not in dating. You need to remain too emotionally before the Lord And your ministry and role in the body of Christ needs to be your primary focus. If your dating relationship takes precedence over your involvement around here, that's an issue. Don't let it distract you from ministry. In Deuteronomy, when when, uh, Moses is writing to the children of Israel, uh, he warns them and God tells them to warn them that that when they get to the promised land, things are going to be awesome, that you're going to experience blessing. 
but be warned. Look at what he tells him in verse 12. He says, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So beware that you don't allow contentment in your relationship to replace contentment with the Lord. Do you, do you spend all your time thinking about your relationship or how to be in one? Has that distracted you from serving the Lord? 1 Corinthians 7.32 says, But I would, I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So if you're not married, does that describe you? Even if you're dating someone, it should still describe you. You're unmarried. Or have you left cleaving unto the Lord and instead cleave unto your boyfriend or girlfriend? And that's a common mistake people make. Dating is so fun that they allow themselves to cross emotional boundaries. They cleave to one another even though they're not married. And everyone else falls to the wayside. It happens a lot. First off, as a direct application from our theme verse in Genesis 2.24, cleaving is a part of marriage, so that also means leaving behind your parents must be a part of the marriage process. So as a quick side note, if, if you're wondering if you're ready to be married, uh, one, one thing, I mean everyone's different, but one thing is if you're not ready to leave your parents, then you're not ready to be married because that has to be part of the process right? Because you have to be emotionally one with your spouse. A lot of newlywed couples struggle with that. All right, but we're talking about dating tonight. So on, on this similar note of leaving and cleaving, one huge mistake people make and one way they get this emotional thing all messed up is they, they get in a dating relationship, they cleave to one another, uh, and in the process of dating, they leave all their friends behind. Don't do that. Not only is it emotionally out of balance, but it's also devastating to you when you break up because the only person you're used to being around is gone and you already ditched all your other friends, they're gone too. So you have to stay connected to your parents and your family, stay involved in your church, and cleave unto the Lord. Remain too emotionally. And then finally, the other half of this then, to apply the right dating logic, this last point, is you must remain too emotionally physically. And so certainly, we understand Genesis 2, 24, and the one flesh thing. I'll read it again. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And if you go to verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So like, like we've been talking about, dating is not marriage. You're not one emotionally, so certainly you're not one physically. So you need to keep it that way until you get married. Yeah, I'm talking about sex and all those physically intimate things. Those are meant for marriage and to be enjoyed only within the bounds of the marriage covenant. In 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 4, Paul says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over, over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. So like I mentioned before, if you're not married, you are not each other's, and actually, of course, you're Christ. So you're not, I mean, you're not even your own to give away, right? You're Christ, right? But, he, and certainly he calls the shots, uh, before, after, when you get married, whatever. 
Um, you don't have any. You don't have any owner cleanership claim or ownership over your own body. Certainly, let alone someone else's. If you're not married, it's off limits. You you got to remain two physically. If you're dating or engaged, here is God's direction for you. First Corinthians six fifteen through eighteen says, "Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid." What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? Look at this Genesis reference. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Here's what you got to do. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So take that to heart. Flee fornication. And not just, and not just your not just for yourself, like it ruins your testimony, but also potentially the testimony of, tri- of Christ and the whole church. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 4 says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God. Here's how you're supposed to walk, and you're supposed to please God, right? So that you would abound more and more. Verse 2, For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. You must remain too and not dabble in this realm. Abstain from any form of sexual immorality outside of God's design. It's how you ought to walk as a Christian. It's pleasing to God and it sets you apart from the world. To be sanctified is to be set apart. And that's a big thing to notice because if you tell almost any unsaved person today that you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, it's simply automatically assumed you're having sex. Our culture worships sex. Forget about all the sexual immorality in terms of gender identity and stuff. Forget about that. Our culture actually revolves around and encourages sex. It's crazy. They actually say you need to figure it out before you get married. Which is exactly the opposite of God's design. And actually, I believe sex outside of marriage is a, a root sin to the cause of so many societal problems today. But So for, forget about the world, man. When it comes to God's design, he knows best. The logic is on his side. You don't have to worry about figuring the sexual side of things out. Actually, you rather should worry about intentionally not figuring them out until you get married. God made physical intimacy to be enjoyed and to be good. Do you think it's not? The world and our culture say you need trial runs and experience. No. The last time I checked, this world hates you. And the people of this world are of their father the devil and the lusts of their father they will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Don't listen to what our culture and this world says about this. And actually, don't listen to what your flesh says about it either. You don't need to figure this side of things out beforehand. It will be fine. When you get married, it'll be fine. What you need to figure out is if you actually love the person you're dating for who he or she actually is. Adding the physical side of things will only confuse the matter. God designed the physical to be enjoyable. And as such, he designed it to keep a husband and a wife together. Oh, also for the purpose of reproduction. There's 
there's a point to it as well. Seriously, no joke. The world and worldly Christians jump to the physical things in a relationship. They enjoy them, so they stay together until they realize they don't actually like who each other is. They just enjoy the pleasure of the physical side of things. And then eventually they ditch each other and end up hurt and confused. Or perhaps they finally do get married, but before they figure out they don't like each other. And then they get divorced. And chances are, now they got a kid together, and now that child grows up in a broken family, all because that person thought they liked his girlfriend or his boyfriend because he didn't wait until marriage to open that door to physical intimacy like God designed, and he was blinded by it. There's a guy that I work with. Uh, he's about to retire. He's 60-something years old. Uh, and he's been married three times, and he's trying to give me marriage advice all the time. In so many words, he's, it's kind of sad. In so many words, he's finally come to the conclusion that sex isn't worth it if you're married to the wrong person. If you would just follow God's design, life wouldn't have to be so hard. If you would follow God's design, you may learn that you don't actually like the person you're dating while you're dating them. You might actually break up. And you might be able to more easily move on to a healthier relationship down the line because you're physically pure. And you've got less distractions in your marriage because you have less baggage from your dating life and the other person can do the same and it's all good. So if you're dating someone, you must apply the right dating logic. You are single until you're married. And remember that being engaged is still considered single in God's eyes. You gotta put it somewhere. and You gotta put it in single town. Look, his plan is always best. You gotta wait. Not only is it obedient, but it's best. It's best for your relationship with God, which if that goes south, how do you think your marriage is gonna go, right? But it's best for your relationship with God, and it's best for your future marriage and for your current testimony. And plus, think about this. We say this all the time to encourage people to get saved, i.e. to give your life to the Lord, like it's not yours anymore, right? Okay, but we, we say this to encourage people all the time to get saved. We say, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Who knows what a day can hold, right? Luke 12 is a parable about that. We won't look at it for time's sake. But James 4, 13 and 15 talks about life is a vapor. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Okay, so it's unwise to, to think you're guaranteed tomorrow Give in to your sexual desires when you're engaged. And what if one of you dies? Like a horrible situation, but like what if it happens? Consider dealing with the shame and guilt you would have to to deal with on top of that. Like just do it God's way. You never know what could happen. So keep that in mind and live every day under the Lord like tomorrow is the day you'll see him face to face. Listen, I know I'm coming down pretty hard on this point, but truly, that's because I want you guys to live the most abundant and blessed life that's available through Christ. I don't want any of you to have to suffer unnecessary hardship due to sin. Truly, hear my intentions. I know none of us are perfect. Maybe you've already blown it in this area before you got saved, or maybe even after. If you've messed up in this area, it doesn't have to be a death sentence. God is a God of light and holiness and perfection, but he's also a God of love and grace and restoration. Please hear that. He can specialize in working bad things for good to those that love him, Romans 8, 28. But if you love him, keep his commandments from now on, John 14, 15. 
Look, when we we were his enemies, he died for us. Look, he's not going to withhold any good thing from us. And he provides a new beginning for us in him, in salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Man, so don't let your old sins drag you down. And also, according to Lamentations 3, 22, 23, Romans 12, 1 and 2, man, if we get in this word every day, his mercies can be new every day. Don't let your past sins hold you down. Man, if your life isn't right in this area, just repent, get it right, and keep it right. So, where's the line at, physically? Well, the, it, okay, obviously, sex is out of the question. We know that. Well, but where's the line? Well, partly it depends on specifically what you're asking about, and partly depends on your conscience between you and God. Few things are very obvious. Any form of sex outside of, mar- outside of marriage is wrong. Any form of fornication is wrong. After that, any violation of your conscience is wrong. Romans 14 talks about this. Verse 22, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that, that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Whatever you're doing, you have to be able to do it confidently before the Lord in faith, knowing that it's good. So if you don't want to fall, don't walk where it's slippery. And don't put the line anywhere close to the edge. Do we even need to talk about living together before marriage? Is that exact scenario explicitly stated in Scripture? Maybe not. Again, dating's not, but you know the answer. Nothing good can come from that. The world says it's a trial run, but that's because they're so blinded by their own lust they don't even know who the person they're dating is or what they're like. Look, cohabitation is of the world. There's no room for it according to dating in God's logic. First of all, it's not wise. Romans 13, 14 says, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make, no, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I can't really think of a better way to make provision for your flesh in a dating relationship than to live together. Second, it, it looks just like the world's form of dating. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. How can you be sanctified when you look like the world? 2 Peter 3.14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. You've got to be diligent. Take every precaution to be blameless before the Lord. All right, I'll wrap this up. But look, relationships are hard. Any relationships. But so certainly dating can be hard. Uh, I have, a, I have a, say, a saying about dating. Dating sucks. <laughs> it's hard, all right. But other than dating righteously, there's no recipe to repeat to get the results you want. It, there's no cookie cutter process, right? So listen, just worry about being the right person. Worry about serving God and pleasing him. The answer to being a good boyfriend or girlfriend, to being a good husband or a wife, is to be a good Christian. 1 Corinthians 7, 29, 31 says, But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. And it goes on from there. Look, take courage. Maybe you desire to be in a dating relationship and you're not. Maybe you desire to be married right now and you're not. God forbid, maybe you're married and you desire not to be. I hope not. But when this life is all said and done, 
if you if you got to date somebody in this life, if you got to be married to someone in this life, look, that's not going to be what matters in the next life. What will matter is if you laid up treasure for yourself on earth or in heaven. And the time here is short. Life is a vapor. If you truly believe God by believing it won't matter in heaven, whether you were married or not during your time on this earth, then if he comes back to m- tomorrow, your desires concerning this matter won't, won't matter either, will they? Trust God. Tomorrow could be the last day that you have to trust him before your faith is made sight. That's possible. It really is. Actually, it's certain to be true at some point. At some point, tomorrow will be the day you see the Lord, whether he takes you or comes back. Look, so trust God. Seek him and the kingdom of God now. And live for the next life now. And trust him with the details of this life here and now. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, man, thank you. Thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for for giving us all the principles that we need to live by in this life. Um, Lord, that, that your word is applicable to our lives and um, that it's a living book and that we can apply it uh, in so many ways. And um, Lord, I know that we live in, in different times uh, than our grandparents. We live in different times than uh, maybe biblical, some of the biblical characters uh, lived in. But man, we have your spirit and we have your word. We have all that we need. I pray that, that you would help us to, to navigate the waters of culture and dating um, according to your word. Um, I pray that you would help us to, to navigate those waters uh, in a way that is pleasing to you. Uh, Lord, help us to, to uh, lock arms together and encourage one another in these matters. Um, you know, we live in this world system, um, but help us not to be of it. And it, and it can influence us, um, but help us to renew our minds daily so that that's not true, that, so that it doesn't. Um, and to, to lock arms together with brothers and sisters here that, that can see things that we can't, that can exhort us and pick us up when we're down, that can help us get right when we're not, that can help us stay right and keep us right, and then we can move on to help others, Lord. Thank you for your body. Um, help us to, to cleave unto you and to cleave unto your body, uh, which is the church, here and now, r- regardless of our relationship status. Uh, thanks for providing for us. And we, we trust, Lord, that what you say is true. We know the time is short. Uh, help us to live every day like it is. Uh, help us to please you. Uh, thanks for your grace and mercy towards us as we figure it out. Um, and we just want to glorify you. Help us to start this week, uh, here and now, uh, to step, put our foots down and please you no matter what. Uh, we love you, Lord. Thanks for this time together tonight. It's in your name we pray. Amen.